I got a quote <laughs> for you guys. Here we go. It's going to be good. This is from the New York Times. In three short months, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes, I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians, I will shut down civic centers. You want to worship actors, I will shut down theaters. You want to worship money, I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You, want, you don't want to go to church and worship me, I will make it so you can't go to church. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Mm. <laughs> Whoever this is has a prophetic fire shut up in their bones Ooh. like Jeremiah. Ooh. This is a man unafraid of the consequences of speaking the truth. This is John the Baptist right here. Yes. He's out in the wilderness. This is a man Locust who and honey. is experiencing the knowledge of the power of the resurrection, mm. who can suffer and obey at the same time. This is a man chewing on locusts, mm. wearing camel skin. Mm. This is not a man who is being um, given a noteworthy position of office. No. No, no, no. no. This is say someone he was on the bottom of the was, pile. Oh, yes. <laughs> willing to be blacklisted to speak the truth. Whoever this is, we should be, at least as far as this quote goes, imitating such a prophet. Mm. Mm. Someone willing to... Call it like it is. So I mean, when you turn look, look when you turn on the television, and you see the map of the globe, from Alaska to Mongolia, from Antarctica to Australia, and it's all red with COVID. Someone somewhere ought to scratch their heads and say, "Hmm, is the governor of the universe trying to say something?" Mm. Perhaps God has a message for mankind mm. in this global pandemic. Right. Are pastors standing up speaking the truth? Are they willing to forego their paychecks and dine on locusts in order that they might boldly proclaim God's clear message that we need to repent as families, as fathers, as nation, as a nation, as churches? This is a clear warning. It could be worse. Hmm. Well, who do you think said that? Got to be D.A. Carson. D.A. Carson. John Piper. <laughs> it's got to be John Piper. Oh, it's not John Piper. No, it's it's not John Piper. No, no. Tim Keller, maybe he's a little he's a little too low key for something <laughs> like that, though. No, this this thing is this has uh, got some fire to it. It does. This is a man saying these words. Well, I'll just go ahead and let everyone know this is the one and only prophet of God's word. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. No, it's not. Because all of our, our young listeners <laughs> now really? are perplexed. You know, who, who is that? Oh, my god! This is the one and only Hulk Hogan. Yes, he is the one <laughs> who has taken up the mantle of prophetic fire, of prophetic ministry. Who would ever thought that we'd be aligned with Hulk Hogan? Who? Okay, can we just lay out 2020 for just a second? <laughs> Virus spreading across the world. Hulk Hogan is the one speaking up, being the prophetic voice, and we're taking time now to say we want to be like him. It's, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, right? It's kind of embarrassing when those who have pulpits and microphones 
are looking to Hulk Hogan <laughs> as the prophetic voice. Yeah, but, you <laughs> know, the New wild. York Times totally policed him on this. They latched on to his statement um, later on about maybe we need a vaccine. Um, and of course, what he, mean, what he meant was that we don't ultimately need a vaccine. What we need is to turn back to God mm. and to repent. Mm. And that's, that's a true statement. That was true before the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And that's especially true now. We ought to take heed. We ought to examine ourselves as a nation. There are plenty of reasons why we should be greatly concerned that God's wrath is aimed at us. Sure. Plenty of biblical reasons why we should be dreadfully concerned. Sure. Absolutely. True. Well, what would repentance look like, Pastor Stewart? In this particular thing? Yeah, well, we what talked would about it this. Look like? yeah, for our about, nation, for our, There was our, like tears and fasting and all kinds. Whenever they found the book of the law, we talked about that household of the homestead yesterday. That's it? They found the book of the law, tears, fasting, sackcloth, ashes. Of course, we would do sackcloth and ashes probably so much but yeah, there just would be some contrition of heart right there would be some brokenness like when revivals begin to spread a lot of times they start just with things like weeping in the church over a person's sin right to be truly convicted and truly repentant of it i think it would start looking like that some contrition of heart some confession of sin mm-hmm. returning to the place of worship offering to god praise and thanksgivings and tithes that are due his name mm-hmm it would be returning to the Word of God to see what the text actually says about how to live and how to, to be guided by Christ. This is what repentance would look like. Mm. This is our prayer and our hope that God um, would use this uh, pandemic for His glory and for the church's self-awareness, mm. for the church's good. Mm-hmm. Well, in um, the Minor Prophets, there's an there is one expression of repentance that I think is wonderful here. It says that in revival, in widespread repentance of God's people, the hearts of the fathers are turned back to the children. Hmm. So it's an expression that perplexed me for quite some time. But I think what I know I think I know what it means at this point. It means that the fathers, the heads of households, would consider their families again. Hmm. That they would rise up like Joshua and say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Yeah. That's another thing. That's what it would look like. Hmm. We talk about that specifically in our show on Tuesdays at 11 a.m., the household and homestead. Yeah. So, and Pastor Joe and Pastor Scott are going to be dealing with fatherhood specifically this Friday at 10 a.m. They got a How to Dad new show starting up. There's all kinds of great resources for that. That's it. Well, if you're just joining us... Maybe this is the first time. This is our show at Christchurch Media called God and Government. God and Government. That's right. Brother. Isn't that what Hulk Hogan used to say? Brother. <laughs> brother. No, he said it with a more I didn't brother. Watch a lot of wrestling, Something honestly. Like I didn't watch it. <laughs> you know. You're too refined for that. Well, we, uh, we had three channels, and you, know, <laughs> you go outside and you turn Turn the, the antenna. antenna. Oh, yeah, see, yeah, my yeah. kids don't even know about that kind of stuff. No, I was trying no. to explain to my daughter this morning what it was to watch shows as they appeared in order on television. She right. was like, I don't Right. You I don't, don't understand. get to just channel surf and choose whatever you want to watch. No. It's, it's at a certain time. It was mm. hilarious. Interestingly enough, now people get to attend church that way. <laughs> just 
Channel surfing. Can we talk about that? Though? Church shopping <laughs> has become channel surfing. <laughs> okay. It's scary, honestly, you because I've always through. sort of suspected this, and now it is this. So it's coming. Oh. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm waiting for the first e-baptism to happen. I'm waiting to see that pop up on my feed. It How would will that happen? It'll be it somebody has happened. I'm dunking sure. themselves I'm in a sure bathtub, maybe? That would be the looking something like that. It'd be, oh. a, it'd be an interesting moment. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, while Hulk Hogan, to the ire of the pundits and the elites and the academia of our world, is proclaiming God's word, hmm. setting a good example, sort of a shameful example mm-hmm. for the church. Meanwhile, we have um, certain politicians. They are spreading their gospel. They are establishing their laws as well. Mm. And some of the things that they are saying is greatly concerning. Like? Well, we have de Blasio saying that uh, churches that don't comply with his ordinances could be shut down permanently. That just goes to prove he has no idea what the real church actually is. But we can just keep let, let that roll on. He also has no idea where his authority begins and where it ends, mm-hmm. which means he has no understanding and concept that his authority is ultimately in God as a minister of God. Mm-hmm. He, he is already outside of his jurisdiction, biblically right. speaking. Right. Well, we got the, the uh, mayor of uh, L.A. saying uh, that snitches get rewards. We've seen the drones. There is a a coalition of drone patrols in Los Angeles right now. Sheeple, sheeple. Oh, my gosh. Keep six feet between you. There should be enough distance between you for Jesus and six of his disciples. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about all of this. I'm not trying to make light of it at all. I'm very concerned about the future of our nation and sort of the manifestations that we've seen in light of this coronavirus right. epidemic. Well, it's a real crisis, but the response is very concerning. Mm-hmm. The, Louisiana, the mayor of L.A. said, not stitches get, snitches get stitches, snitches get rewards. He goes on to say, turn in your neighbors. Wow. But do we have no concept of history? Right. Do we not know that certain Jewish businesses Hmm. were labeled with the very same phrase non-essential they were considered not essential to the war effort of germany the german war german war effort the uh, schindler's list you know the famous movie uh, a, a great man he saved many of jewish many jewish lives because he reworked his factories so that they were producing goods and manufacturing certain equipment that was considered essential Hmm. To the war effort. He saved the Jews by giving them jobs that were deemed essential to the war effort. Hmm. So, Man, when all of this stuff is happening in our society, when the worship of God and the sphere of the church is deemed non-essential by governors all over the place, Hmm. when households are considered non-essential, when the World Health Organization is saying we may have to go house to house, they ain't coming and to my remove house. Remove individuals and place them in a safe, dignified uh-uh. area. No, sir. Pastors no, are being sir. arrested. And of course, the pastors who are being arrested are, frankly, the worst examples among us. Sure. But of course, that's how it starts. Mm. The coronavirus is a real thing. 
This is a crisis. But where are we turning? To whom are we turning? Who's the savior? What is Who's our the hope? rescuer? Mm. How are we responding? Mm. The way our nation is responding is signaling um, dark days ahead. Well, think about it. One of the, what's one of the first things to go? Everything got questionable immediately. Church gatherings. Y'all don't meet anymore. Meanwhile, there's still a hundred and some odd people in Lowe's at any given second until maybe yesterday. I think they started Lowe's regulating that. Lowe's is slammed. Uh, right. Elections still go on, face-to-face, poll voting. But worship sessions. There's some inconsistencies here that certainly cause this Southern man to be <laughs> suspicious. Sure. Sure. We want to help flatten the curve in order to not overrun the, the, uh, the hospitals. health services. Absolutely. This, this seemed reasonable, and we want to obey our authorities. Right. As long as they are behaving inside of their authority given to them by God. Hmm. But time will tell where this heads. No joke. It's going to be a difficult road ahead, I think, for many pastors and churches. Well, we'll see how it goes. Guys, if you're in with us, I want you to go ahead and do me a favor. Hit your like buttons or your reaction buttons down there at the bottom. Let us know that you're listening. And click share and pass this out among your friends, too, while we're going. Yeah. Amen. Now, here, I, this, I think this should be our theme for the year. Ooh. 2020 needs a theme. What is it? I'm ready. Be equipped or be tossed. (laughs) Paul says, be equipped. God gives um, certain individuals to the church as gifts that they might equip the saints for the work of the ministry, that they might be sanctified and matured. And he goes on to say that those who aren't equipped, who aren't mature, who aren't grown up in the word, are going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, Hmm. by human craftiness and cunning. And I can't help but to see that America, its citizenry, and the church is tossed. Tossed how? To and fro by Hmm. every wind of of doctrine, by every media narrative, by Hmm. by every... uh, you know, policy of human crafting and cunning. And we haven't seen nothing yet. Wait till November gets closer. Wait till the election starts to get closer and closer. You will see, mark my words, the church tossed left, tossed right, like children with no foundation, no um, anchor. But it's the pastor's job, among others, the father and others, to equip the saints so that they wouldn't be tossed. Give right. them a foundation. Give them solid rock to stand on. Right, right. And that's why we have this subject, God and government. Right. To establish people firmly in the word of God so that we are not tossed to and fro with every crisis right. and with every political season. It, in good times and in times of peace, we want our pastors to dress nice and to be nice and to right. talk about things that go on inside of our hearts. But this coronavirus crisis should speak loud and clear that pastors need to get some backbone, need to get serious, sure. and need to get serious about equipping people about all of the Bible. Mm. So that we're not just tossed around whenever things like this come. Right. Absolutely. We have to be equipped for how to engage in the real world. Right. We have to be able to deal with suffering. Right. How are people going to be equipped if pastors never talk about God's sovereignty in suffering? Mm. Right. If all of it's happy and clappy and and lighthearted and poll-tested, how are the people of God going to be equipped? Right. 
pastors have got to uh, consider all of the Word of God and equip their people. So that's the point of this show. All of Christ and all of life. Amen. Mm. Including government. All right. That's what the point of this show is. Um, We are not public policy experts, obviously. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but I actually have... um, a degree in political philosophy. No, you don't. That's, Do you really? that's what I went to school for. <laughs> 25 well, years later, I get to use it a little. I have a degree in music. <laughs> in music. Those are essential skills right there, my that's friend. Right. <laughs> Very marketable. A lot of musicians out there being hired these days. So what, what got me to where I am today? Yeah, no... Of course, I I have been formally trained in political philosophy and public policy at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Big credentials, right? That's right. That's right. That's Ivy League right there. Honestly, that's not. We are not experts in public policy or in um, government or Hmm. even in political philosophy. But we are ministers of the word of God. And guess what? There is a lot of overlap. Hmm. God's word addresses the public sphere, the political sphere. God has a word for nations mm-hmm. and for those who govern them. Mm-hmm. And that's our expertise. Right. That's why we're talking about this. Amen. We're called to, we have to, and God um, has called us to preach all of Christ for all of life. So welcome to God and government. That's right. That's right. So let's start with a Bible passage. Okay, here we go. Daniel chapter 5, verse 21. The Most High God is the ruler of the realm of mankind, and he sets over it whomever he wishes. Boom. So right there we see clearly God reigns over all things, Amen. and he puts rulers where they are, and he puts them whom he wishes where he wishes them to be. Established. And Daniel is speaking to the most powerful man on the planet a man who had more power than anyone has today, King Nebuchadnezzar. Dang. And he said that. He said, the only reason you're here is because God put you yeah, here. Daniel was a prophet. They, they outlawed prayer of, and they outlawed the worship of Yahweh. What does Daniel do? He doesn't, he doesn't kowtow. He continues his public prayers three times a day. Mm. Daniel was a faithful witness with a backbone. He was a prophet with courage. Mm. Daniel is just one of many examples of how the people of God and the ministers of God can speak truth to power. What did Jesus call Herod? A fox, right? Called him to repent for his sexual fornication. Mm. What did John the Baptist do that got his head cut off? He told Herod that Herod needed to obey the Old Testament law as it concerns sexual ethics. Mm-hmm. That's what got John the Baptist's head cut off. Mm. You know, they spoke In other words, Herod has an authority that is over him. Absolutely. Mm. What did Jesus say to Pilate? You only have this authority, and you only have authority because, because my it's Father been in heaven given to you. Yep. My Father in heaven gave it to you. Ooh. The biblical worldview is that God is over all nations, all kings. He is the ultimate governor. Boom. He governs the world. Colossians one seventeen. In Him all things hold together. He's not only the governor and the ruler and the Lord, he's the provider and the sustainer. Hmm. He's the one that preserves creation. Hmm. I'm not concerned that this coronavirus is going to overturn God's will for the creation. 
this coronavirus will not even overturn God's will for one sparrow, Mm. much less the entire creation. Mm. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, if a sparrow cannot fall without his notice, a nation cannot rise without his aid. Mm. Unless the Lord builds a house, its laborers labor in vain. Mm. God is the governor. God is the sustainer. To him and through him and for him are all things, including all civil authorities and magistrates and governors, all rulers over the family, over the church, and over the public sphere or over the state. Amen? Amen. That sounds great. Now, the, now the problem, though, is that the church won't even acknowledge this. I'm, I, the world certainly won't acknowledge it. President Trump, for all the things that he may or may not have done or is doing well, does not seem to me to be publicly conforming himself to the will of Jesus. Hulk Hogan is, though. Hulk Hogan is. So we got some hope. (laughs) (laughs) Hulk Hogan for president. (laughs) It could happen. That's the only quote. He might be a, who knows what else Hulk Hogan says, you know, just as a qualifier. (laughs) Fair. Praise God he said this, though, right? I mean, what would be amazing is if our president, in light of this coronavirus would say, we need to pray to Jesus. Hmm. We need to turn from our sins and turn to our covenantal Lord, who is the creator, the governor, and the sustainer of our nation. Yes, let's try to get a vaccine. Yes, let's try to establish the right economic policies. But ultimately what we need is to turn to our governor. Hmm. Our Lord. So what do we do? It's not happening. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, it's not happening, and Bible has shown us plenty of examples of how it didn't happen. Mm. You got Adam and Eve disobeying God's rule for family government, listening to a snake after they named all the animals, completely (laughs) ignoring God's word, Mm -hmm. not trusting in him. You have Nadab and Abihu rebelling against God's governance over the church, ecclesiastical government. You have Nebuchadnezzar, Pilate, Herod, completely rebelling against God's rule for the civil government. Mm -hmm. And even today, men continue to do what is right in their own eyes. Hmm. So what was your question again? So what do we, if it's not happening, then what's our job in response to that? Well, I I think first and foremost, are we John the Baptist? Yeah, we have to speak truth to power. The church has to reclaim its prophetic ministry. Mm. I would say even before that, the church has to begin to agree that the Bible is God's word, that we have a standard, that we have a guide, that we have a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. And we have to hold up that standard and proclaim it boldly and Mm. truthfully to all. I mean, the church is not honestly even agreement on whether or not the Bible should be applied to the public sphere. Or whether or not the governors of this world are in submission to Christ Jesus. We're not even in agreement on that. We've got to get that straight. Hmm. So, the downside to all this is that when you don't acknowledge God's governance, everything we've said thus far is kind of review. Mm -hmm. Christ church folks know this. Mm. They're probably tired of me beating this dead horse. (laughs) 
But I've learned that until you preach something about 37 times. That's right. No one even starts listening. <laughs> <laughs> I think the statistic is that you have to say something seven times for somebody to, to start actually right. following, start tracking along with you. you. Around the 12th and 15th time mentioning it, you'll start to hear the pushbacks. You know, and the discomfort that it's causing for people, that systemic anxiety as they, as they sense that their pastor is saying and leading in ways that are going to cause them to have to change. This is why guest preachers can say whatever they want. Yeah, just say whatever. They, they come in and they say it one time and everybody's like, oh, stepping on, t-, and then they leave. Right. And, then and the no, other one guy. Ex- no one is expected to do what they just said. No. But the pastor keeps saying it, keeps saying it, where people are cornered. They're like, I guess I'm not getting out of this one. I'm not get- he's, not letting, <laughs> he's not letting this go. Right. I'm going to have to make a decision. He's really harping on this. And there'll be all kind of pushback. You know, it's, it's always the pushback we do when we feel that there's a source of authority being imposed upon us. Mm. That's what the Bible does. It triggers you first, and then it trains you. But there's a, like a time, that, a time that goes by. So you keep talking about this sort of stuff. And I think the long-term goal is we might see some people in our church say, you know what, I want to go into government. I want to go into the civil realm. Mm. I want to go into politics. And I want to go in with the all of Christ and all of life worldview. That's what, the, that's what we're really hoping. That would be amazing. But so while we as a church are repenting and we as a church are being equipped for this particular fight, when a nation doesn't acknowledge God as governor, and when the church doesn't, what you're left with is not a neutral space. It's not as though you get to continue living life without a boss, without an authority. Mm-hmm. It's that you get an alternate God, a little G God. Okay, so explain what you mean there. Well, um, if, if you don't consider your Supreme Court to be in submission to the Supreme Court of Heaven... Mm-hmm. then those Supreme Court justices, if they don't see themselves as submissive to the Supreme Court of Heaven, they will begin to think of themselves as the Supreme Court. The ultimate judge. The ultimate. Mm-hmm. And they will judge not according to God's standard, but according to the standard in their own hearts. And they actually will take it upon themselves. Now they feel like they are writing law. They right. are writing decree and word. They are shaping and forming society. Hmm. If it's not the Supreme Court, it could be the individual, each of us doing what is right in our own eyes, each of us really, really wanting our neighbor's stuff and voting for people who will get it for us. Hmm. You know, if it's not the individual, it might be the majority, ruled by the 51%, Hmm. ruled by the mob, which of course makes way for all sorts of manipulation and demagoguery. Hmm. Democracy is ruled by the people. Demos is an ancient name for a deity. The, the, oh, wow. the god of Demos, the rule of the people. No, we're supposed to be ruled by Theos, by God, hmm. not by Demos, the people. Just because the majority of people vote for politicians who continue to passively allow abortion doesn't make it right. Straight up. Yeah. When our nation rejects God as the supreme governor, rejects his law word, we then receive other gods, alternate Mm -hmm. gods, intellectual elites, academia, the experts, the individuals, Supreme Court. There's a whole host of, there is a pantheon of alternate gods ruling over our nation with their alternate laws. And here's the problem. 
our government not in submission to King Jesus, ruling by its own authority, senses that we the people don't mind it. Hmm. Right? We're not pushing back. No, We're not saying, hey, hold on. Wait a minute. We would like it to accomplish certain things for us. Hmm. We would like the goodies and the treats and the, the uh, benefits, whether it be safety or protection or um, whether it be handouts or whether it be uh, whatever loan it might forgiveness be. Social or security or loan forgiveness. We yeah. would rather those things than our freedom. Hmm. And as long as our governing bodies sense that from us, it's going to increase. And well, here, I mean, look at this. Even even the fiscal conservatives who are in Congress and things like that were very ready and excited to pass this, what, $2.2 trillion right. b- bailout package for personal individual bailouts and corporate bailouts and family. I think I did the math. I think we have like a $4,400 check coming to our house or something like that. Like, right. That's a massive amount of money. Yeah. By what standard? You know. Do we have a government that is considering the law of God, the law of equal weights and measures, the law of justice and freedom as it pertains to economics? Are they even concerned with what God says about economics? No, Hmm. they're not. They are listening to other authorities and other gods. Now, if my thesis is right, that the reason we have these alternate gods is because we, the people, like our lusts more than our freedom Mm. because we have slave mindsets. Mm. Here's the downside. Our lusts are infinite. Sure. Well, we're Israel. I really like my onions. Oh, absolutely. Remember remember what Egypt was right. like, you guys? It was so comfortable there. We I think really it's, are. There are. I think for us, maybe it could under, be understood, like we talked about this a few episodes ago, it's comfort. It's I, I want things to be easy. Social want, security. Yeah, keep it's me security. safe. That's right. It's like, a social know. network of uh, safety. That's exactly right. But this desire for safety, for example, is infinite in the heart of a, of a human can you ever be safe enough? There be, the only way to satisfy the needs or the, the desires for safety is to place one's faith in Jesus Christ, mm. who is the infinite and only one who can save. Mm. He is our security. He is our welfare. He is our God and our lawgiver and provider and sustainer. If I desire my neighbor's goods... That desire, that envy, that lust is infinite. Mm. It can only be satisfied by Jesus. So what you're saying, so like we're making, go back to safety, just use that as an example, we're making safety our God as opposed to God being our God. Well, safety is the, the need, the, the, the want, the lust. Okay. And it's not a bad thing to want safety. Okay. But we are turning to alternate gods to give us ultimate safety. Ah, uh, I see. And I here's what's you. my here's the concern. In turning to these other gods to give us what can only be filled by Jesus Christ, we're going to end up being enslaved. Mm. Think of it this way. If our lusts are infinite because we have a soul that is designed to delight itself in Jesus Christ who is infinite. If only Jesus can fill the wants and desires of our heart and we turn to someone else to satisfy infinite needs for safety, for pleasure, for joy, that means we're going to give them infinite license to continue to do this. Mm. 
and we will end up having zero freedom. Mm. We will hand over all to fill this hole, which cannot be filled by anything other than Christ Jesus. Mm. So it is a theological problem that our nation is facing. I see. And it's just playing itself out in bigger government right now. Absolutely. Interesting. This has always been the case for mankind. Israel turned to Baal. Israel turned to Molech for fertility, for crops, for harvests, for children. We, mankind has always turned to alternate gods to meet the needs that only the covenantal God can meet. Hmm. And he says, if you will turn to me, I will bless you. I will save you. I will heal your land. Hmm. But like Adam and Eve, we won't trust him and we won't listen to him. Hmm. So it's deep. It's deep right there. <coughs> Amen. So if God now we're, we're now we're getting into the meat of this lesson today. If God is the governor, the Bible says he is, over all things, and we should in all areas acknowledge his governance, his authority, his supremacy, the question we must ask is, does God establish a particular form of civil government that would be best for us? Hmm, That's a good question. Does God design how the family is to be governed? Well, yeah. Of course he does. Absolutely. The man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and Two Deuteronomy 6. become one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Father is head, wife is helper and life giver. Children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. It's a designed institution by God. Right. How about the church? Does God establish and, and design how the church should be governed? Of course. He establishes elders. He gives us Matthew chapter 18. He tells us about deacons and what their roles are, and he establishes even care within the church. We see all that structure laid out. That's right. So there must be one for the government, the civil, the state sphere. It would right? seem to be the case. Now, not every Christian heritage holds fast to this, but I do believe that God has established um, government, that they are to be ministers to him, that he governs over the entire world. And one of the means he provides and watches over the souls of men is by establishing government, and he establishes it according to certain form. Now, not every single detail is laid out, but I think even the most contrary person listening to us this morning would agree that God does not ordain anarchy. Right. That the Bible says no to that form of government. Mm. The question I have for them, though, is if God is saying no to certain forms of government, how about communism? How about socialism? No, no, no. Most of our viewers would probably say, no, that can't be. Right. Communism believes in the collective ownership of property by a party, an unelected party. Right. 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 Um, Anarchy believes in lawlessness, that man needs not be restrained and that his evil does not need to be held back, that he is good by himself. Hmm. Most of our viewers would probably say, no, God says that is bad. But the question I have for him, does God then say what would be good? Is there a standard by which you are appealing to say that anarchy is bad? Hmm. Where do you get that idea that anarchy is bad? You don't get it watching the animals in the jungle. Right. You don't get the idea that communism is bad by watching ants and honeybees. Where does that idea come from? It comes from the scriptures. And so if we can go to the scriptures to rebuke communism, communism and socialism and rebuke anarchy and a few other, how about the tyranny or various other forms of dictatorships where an individual has supreme authority over all, mm-hmm. we would say, no, no, that's wrong. Who says? Where did you get that idea? 
Did you get it from watching animals devour each other on the, the uh, plains of the Serengeti? <laughs> Where did you get that idea? Did you reason it up in the, uh, the, um, the ability of your own heart and mind? Now, some people believe that. Hmm. I would submit that we know for certain that we have what is called epistemological certainty because the Bible tells us tyranny is bad. It's right. evil. It exalts itself over the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Anarchy is ungodly and unbiblical. For God has ordained there to be authorities for the restraining of evil and the protection of it the ignores peace. the fallenness of man, right? Communist is e- communism is evil because God says thou shalt not steal, that man has a right to life and to have a wife and to have property and to have a household. These are biblically granted rights for man. So we would say communism is evil and shakes its fist at God. But does God then proactively tell us what form of government we should be holding fast to? And I would say the answer is yes. Ooh. It's not every detail is listed, but he does tell us which form of government is the most biblical. Hmm. Now, we have to consider first... A constitutional monarchy. Okay. Now you'll remember. Monarchy. You'll remember in First Samuel chapter eight, Saul is anointed to be king. Okay. Samuel anoints him. The people wanted a king like all the other nations. Right. They wanted uh, bureaucratic power, military might, to get them what the other nations got. Mm-hmm. They wanted the spoils of war. They wanted to look good, like the people around. Oh, uh, they wanted to feel safe. They wanted to have all the you know, various programs that a king could offer. God warned them, if you do this, he's going to tax you at increasingly high rates. He's going to take your daughters and your sons into conscription in the war. God warned them what happens when you exalt in man-made government. But God is merciful and gracious, and he chose Saul. And when he established Saul, he didn't just turn the people, fine, you want a king like all the other nations? Here you go. I'm done with you people. He didn't do that. He actually... Um, spoke to Samuel a constitution. Not many people know this. Hmm. And he commanded to Samuel to take that constitution and to put it in the Ark of the Covenant alongside the other symbols of the covenant. Now, what's amazing is we don't know exactly what was in that constitution. But we can assume from the context that it was the law of God along with probably certain contemporary applications of the law of God for Saul and how the nation would be governed. Okay. God then tells Samuel to tell Saul that he is to read this law every day. He's to have this constitution right by the side of him, it says. And he is to be governed by it and constrained by it. Hmm. He was not allowed to be a dictator. He had an authority over him, Mm -hmm. and he had a covenantal document that outlined his, you know, uh, jurisdictions, and he was to study it. The Bible even tells us that they were to read it every seven years in the public square so that the people might be aware of it as well, Hmm. that the people would not clamor for a dictator, which they're often accustomed to do. Hmm. So God established this constitutional monarchy in Israel. With Saul. You can read about it in First Samuel. You can read it certain details of, of, about that law in the book of Deuteronomy. Okay? But does that mean that God has ordained constitutional monarchy for us today? And I would say the answer is no. Now, 
the constitutional aspect, yes. We see God writing a constitution at, Mos- at, the Mosaic, at the founding of the Mosaic Law. That's still for us today. It's held fast, although it's taken on new form in the New Testament. We see this example here, that when you enter into a covenant with a people and establish a civil government, you write down certain restrictions based on the Bible to limit the powers of government. Okay. The church has always, for hundreds, for thousands of years, churches have seen this as one of the ways that God instructs men to govern themselves. Write your laws down. Mm. Right? Write down the covenant documents. That's why, fundamentally, we have a constitution. It's why our church has a constitution. Because men who are, who are wiser than us, who have gone before us, have seen in the scriptures this idea of writing down a constitution right, that is established and based on the laws of God. Right. Then, I don't think that the monarchy part is for us today because we know from Scripture that the kings of Israel were types and shadows of whom? Jesus. Of Jesus. Right. Who is exalted and ascended upon the throne and is the Lord of all, and he is the king. So, I would align with what our founders believed that the biblical form of government is constitutional, but that it's not a monarchy, that it is, in fact, what they called and what is called today a representative republic. Hmm. Now, where does this come from the Bible? Anybody still listening to this? Yeah, people are here. People are listening. People are here. This is not, you know, <laughs> these sorts of things aren't excited and t- exciting <laughs> until there's a huge crisis. But get, get equipped, right? Yeah. In the book of Exodus, chapters 18 through 24, we see God's establishment of Israel, and we can learn a lot from it. Okay. For example, there was Moses. Did he have all power invested in him like a tyrant or a dictator? No. Did he allow the people to run rampant in anarchy? No. Did he have a vote? (laughs) No. There's no voting not in the way we think of it. Right. It was like, hmm, how would, what would you like to be considered a crime and not a crime or a sin and not a sin? No, right. no, it was none of that. But what we did have was Moses being instructed by the priest Jethro and being told, establish elders or judges or rulers over a thousand, over a hundred, and over fifty. So in our last session last week, we called that biblical localism. Right. But we also see in that the idea of representation. They were to choose from among themselves men who were, would represent them in government. Hmm. They would then, having chosen those representatives, submit to them according to the law of God. The law of God was to always be present. You can see that in Exodus chapter 18. The people would choose their local magistrates and local governors, and they would submit to them. These men were to be chosen for certain qualifications. And guess who laid out the qualifications? God did in Hmm. the law. It's very clear they were to be men who feared the Lord. Not men who were greedy for political power or political grain. Trying to make a name for themselves. The people looked around their local town and they said, now that is a man who fears the Lord. And they chose him to represent them at higher levels of civil authority. Hmm. And they submitted to him as he ruled under the authority of the Lord because he didn't fear the mob. He didn't fear the majority. He didn't fear of academia or the experts. He feared the Lord mm-hmm. and built his life on the law of God. So these were men who had certain qualifications. 
established by God and chosen, elected, if you will, to represent the little people. Hmm. So we have a we have God establishing a government on earth. And when he did it, he had a constitution and he had representative government chosen by the people. And that form of representative government is what we call a republic. So hmm. people, people often think the United States is a democracy, but it's not a democracy. It's not ruled by the demos. Right. It is a representative republic, a constitutional representative republic. Hmm. That is the form of government that was established in the very beginning. My contention is that the founders were, um, though they may not have all been regenerate Christians, were steeped in the biblical narrative. They had, to, to a large degree, biblical worldviews, and they knew their Old Testaments. And they, along with the Christians who had gone before them, could see in the scriptures all of these various principles for establishing government. Hmm. Are all the details laid out for us? Not in every single case. But we can say this. God says no to anarchy, no to communism, no to socialism, no to tyranny, no to despotism, no to oligarchy. And yes, to representative, a form of representative government that has a fear of the Lord and is founded with a constitution. Not just simple majority rule. Which would be the opposite. Majority rule saying, well, what I decide is law. Majority like what we were talking rule about is tyranny. Right. It's tyranny over the minority. Hmm. It, mm-hmm. is a, it is a recipe for injustice. Well, as we can see with abortion. Absolutely. Because someone is weak or not considered a person, they die. That's Absolutely. the ultimate result of that. It is the... the um, the it is might makes right because there's more of us because because we control the guns mm-hmm. as uh, Mao Zedong said political power is born in the barrel of a gun but when you have majority rule it leads to injustice tyranny and we all know it also leads to demagoguery to manipulation what you need is men who fear the Lord, who hold fast to the law of God, who are known locally and chosen to represent the people. Mm-hmm. That is representative government starting out locally, and they all are holding fast to uh, a covenantal document. You know, the word federal comes from the word, it means covenant. A covenantal document, a constitution that has been agreed upon that restrains the individuals that have been granted civil power. Hmm. Note in the church we do this. We have a constitution. Almost every church has a constitution. They choose their leaders, and then they submit to them as long as their leaders do what? Hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to the constitution. And those leaders have qualifications. They're much like the qualifications given for civil government in Exodus 18 through 24. After they chose these elders... These, these judges and rulers in Exodus, you know what happened? There were 70 of them. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. Oh, that's right. And empowered them and filled them for ministry. Hmm. It's called the civil Pentecost. <laughs> it's fascinating, isn't it? 
<laughs> we could use one of those. <laughs> right. And but what does it imply? It implies that God had chosen these civil magistrates, these local governors, these representatives of the people. They had certain biblical qualifications. He had chosen them to do his will and to do what he caused civil magistrates to do. This is what the Apostle Paul is referencing. This is the mind of the Apostle Paul when he says in Romans chapter 13 that the authorities are of God and that they are ministers, deacons of the Lord. So someone comes to us and says, I feel called by the Lord. We need to ask, called to what? I feel like I would like to minister and to serve. In what sphere? In what realm? Mm Mm-hmm. We know you are called, if you are a man, to leave and cleave, to establish a household. If you think that you are called to lead in the church or in the, in the civil authorities, do you meet the qualifications? You see that? Mm-hmm. We see why the household is so important. It's because in the household, they're going to demonstrate those qualifications. Right. So the household becomes the building block of the church and the civil sphere. And in a way, the proving ground as well. The proving ground. That's exactly right. Mm. The place of testing where young men learn to become wise men. Mm -hmm. So if you have solid households with solid fathers, you can have solid churches, solid um, civil authorities. Mm. And through these three spheres, build up a society that is honoring to the Lord and is exalted by, uh, by holding fast to his law. This is the biblical vision. It completely nukes the... Uh, one of the statements that we heard so many times last election was we're not electing a pastor we're voting for a president this philosophy what we're talking about right now this completely particular philosophy dominates modern evangelicalism mm. as though Jesus doesn't have something to say about the character of civil magistrates mm. mm-hmm. you see modern evangelicalism does not believe that much of the Old Testament has any continuity or relevance for today but they, they remain inconsistent because they will constantly say no to abortion, no to homosexual marriage. Right? They will constantly speak out against certain sins, mm-hmm. and they will use the Old Testament to do so. Mm-hmm. They will use Old Testament civil laws. My position is the same position as the Puritans who went before us the same as the founders and through many leaders in church history that says that God has designed how a civil government should operate. Mm. Not in every single detail. We still need wisdom and the spirit to guide us in day-to-day life, but that he has a word for our nation. What would repentance look like? What would it look like if we took Hulk Hogan's word seriously? Yeah. We would start to look for a president, a governor, a sheriff, a mayor. You know, we're not trying to choose a pastor, but we want a man who meets the same qualifications. Hmm. The very same qualifications. A man who fears the Lord and wants to be a servant of Jesus Christ. A man who's like Daniel, civil magistrate Christian. Like Joseph, like Nehemiah, like Ezra like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We could go down the list of all the hundreds of thousands of civil magistrates that were open, faithful Christian men. And it seems like something like this starts locally first. 
it ha- it almost has to start locally first, like very, very, maybe even smaller than start. something like parish. It starts with the regeneration of a heart by the Spirit of God. Hmm. It then goes to the family. It then goes to the church. And it then goes to the civil sphere. Mm. So it, the, for the average person watching this... Could go to the town, could go to the state, could go to the nation. So for the average person watching this who's saying, what do, what do I do now? What do I do now? Step one is, where's your influence? It's over yourself. Right. And it's over your household. Who's your God? Where's your law? Right? Mm-hmm. Do you hold fast to the scriptures? Get your scriptures. Find out what God has called you to do in your particular calling. Mm -hmm. Are you a mom? Are you a child? Are you a father? Are you a business leader? Are you a builder? Are you a plumber? Mm -hmm. Are you a governor, a sheriff? What does the Bible have to say to you? Be faithful in your calling. Be faithful in those little things. Mm -hmm. That's where we all have to go individually. Mm -hmm. Only God can give the increase. Only God can bring revival in a nation. Right. But each and every one of us, like John the Baptist... Even if we don't get hired, even if we lose our paycheck, even if we have to dine on locusts and, and uh, wear camel skin, we must be faithful to the word of God. Yeah, and this is very much a, a tortoise, like tortoise in a hare race. This is very much the tortoise method of moving. Like, God could blow everything up, and, I mean, look at COVID-19, the thing we got going on right now. Right. God could do whatever he wants, and he could send another virus or something to completely shake the world and up from the ashes would rise his design and the way he intends to to rule and manage things but in the meantime until yeah. that happens we remain faithful where we are with That's what he's called do. us to biblical localism mm. right building up the household planting churches yeah, that's where we start. Man, I can't that's wait. That's all we can do. I don't we don't have time for this today, but I can't wait till later where we can like talk about how we operate as Christian households inside of a already corrupted um, state mm. sphere. Yeah. We, we got to have tough. some episodes like that one day. I'll yeah, be excited. Absolutely. We'll get there. All awesome. Right. That's all I got for us today. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, appreciate y'all coming in and, and being a part. Yep. Um, if you've got questions or anything like that, you can feel free to email me at Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at wearechristchurch.com. Um, be more than happy to answer those questions. Keep following us on Christchurch Media. Share it with your friends. Invite others to come along and, and learn from these things. It's, uh, it's heady stuff at times, but, man, it's helpful, and especially in a time like we're going through right now. Super, That's super right. helpful. we we got to be equipped. We have to be equipped equipped or we're going to be tossed to and fro be equipped or be tossed i like it i like it so thanks again for tuning in Um, we got more shows coming up for the rest of this week and as well as new shows coming up next week you can follow us on our podcast you can go to sermonaudio.com and search for uh, we are christchurch all one word pull that up there and if you are listening and getting stuff out of this and you'd like to be able to support what we're doing here at christchurch you can go to paypal.me slash we are christchurch and donate there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening, and we will see you next time.